the Lady Eighty Show podcast. We talk about books, everything about books, and have great interview with authors. Here's one now. Well, it is with great pleasure that my guest today is Dr. Catherine Bordino, and she has just written her first book, and it is called Stepping Into My Shoes. So I have stepped into this book a couple of times now, Catherine, and finding it quite fascinating. But like any book, you know, it's the title, it's the cover that attracts you first. What made you choose the title, Stepping Into My Shoes? It's a very good question. Well, people who know me know that I've got a bit of a shoe fetish. And I even appeared in an article earlier this year in the Daily Mail as a woman who's got over 100 pairs of shoes. And it's me surrounded with 100 pairs of shoes. And so people know me, and it's Catherine, and it's high heel shoes. You know, it's sort of got that association. And then I was thinking about the style in which I'm writing the book, which is very much to encourage the reader to live the experience I'm relating. And so stepping into my shoes came overnight at about four o'clock in the morning and I stuck with it. Right. Excellent. It's great when you have a working title and it stays. So that, that's true. And you chose not to have a um, subtitle. So it is literally stepping into my shoes. Um, tell me, though, Catherine, please, um, what you've just had a launch you literally just launched the book. How did it go? It went phenomenally well, I have to say. I came out of it, you know, it's not often you enjoy your own party. And I came out of it and I said, I want to do another one. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to do another one in September. Um, I so enjoyed it and uh, communicating with the audience who'd not read the book because it was literally fresh off the press and but who were just very intrigued and wanted to know more it was super excellent will you be doing an online launch i don't know maybe i should because then i can come <laughs> so tell me what is it you wanted to your readers to know the most I think um, I want my readers to be prepared for corporate life in in all its permutations and um, twists and turns. Um, I want the reader to benefit from my experience and to learn from that. I want my reader to be curious and I want my reader to say, well, how do I say no? Um Maybe I should say yes to this proposition. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. How do I set up boundaries? So I really want it to be um, a, a book that enables the reader to grow. Okay. Now, what I like about the features in in your book is that you have um, in each chapter a little box where you say, ask yourself. And, and then you ask them things like, do you think you suffer from imposter syndrome? What are you going to do to change that? So tell us how that imposter syndrome came to be one of the, the points that you wanted to talk about in your book. Because I suffered it at one time, I was headhunted um, to appear on the first ever reality television program and to be interviewed live for a job. The program was on the money program on BBC Two, and it followed the headhunter Corn Ferry getting a mandate from some very shy retiring uh, media mogul called uh, Robert Maxwell. And I was interviewed live by him. And I was in a very nice job working for an American publishing company. And I really, I'd been headhunted. I hadn't gone out for the job. I hadn't looked for it. And I hesitated whether I should leave my comfy job and go to a totally unknown industry, uh, which was that of satellite television uh, think of Sky now, and you think of Netflix and all that. That's normal now, but in 87, it didn't exist. And so I hesitated, and I wasn't sure I'd be up to the job, and hesitated on my capacity to do the job. But mercifully, um, I was convinced that actually maybe I could do it, and then um, I got the job against competition from two men, at least, and managed to deal with things. So, uh, how long it. were you in that role then? Uh, just um, about two years, which is quite a long life in, in the Maxwell organization. Oh, sorry, Maxwell Empire. Um, <laughs> I never say organization um, with that company. Um, yes, so... About two years and then he ran out of money and wasn't able to fund my company so I had to sell it and step away okay so what was your biggest learning is the learning from that experience in the book yes it is and um, what, what part of the book do you talk about it then well I talk about really when I explained that things aren't really what they're meant to be Okay. And you have to learn how to ask for things because it turns out that this job for which I'd been so publicly headhunted didn't exist. On day one, I arrived at the HQ, the Daily Mirror of the Maxwell Organization, Empire, and I had no chair, I had no desk, I had no phone, and effectively I had no job. 
it was just a dream in his head. And so you're faced with that. Uh, the, the salary in question brought me to break the glass ceiling. And I decided that really Mr. Maxwell was not going to keep me on board just for my big blue eyes. <laughs> I'd better find a way to survive very quickly. <laughs> and that is to find another job in the organization. Perfect. Now, one of the quotes in your book is by Seth Godin. Mm -hmm. And it was where he says, you're either remarkable or you are invisible. Mm -hmm. And it's in your chapter about overcoming the fear of asking. Mm. So tell us a little bit about that, that particular chapter. Okay. It's a, it's a very important thing. I think a lot of people, particularly women, unfortunately, I've just conducted, I mean, literally in the last few days, uh, got the results of a survey I've carried out um, that uh, women, more than men, have a fear of asking, of asking for a pay rise, of asking for a promotion. And there are a lot of reasons behind that. And there are a lot of ways to overcome it. Um, but people don't realize that it, their boss is not divinely inspired about what you want and what your needs are. And he's not. She's not. You have to tell them sometimes. And that means you have to ask them. You have to ask for that pay rise or that promotion. And if you don't, you are invisible. Hmm. It is quite interesting, isn't it? Because I spent a lot of time in the charitable sector uh, before I came into publishing. And it was always about making the ask. And I found I could ask anything on behalf of the charity, mm. but I couldn't necessarily ask for anything for myself. Exactly. And I have the same situation at the moment with a client. She's a lawyer. Um, she loves acting but she can't talk about herself. Right. Okay. You, yeah, you have that role, whether it's a role within the charity or role as in acting on stage behind which you hide. But when it comes to exactly talking about yourself, it's much more difficult. Again. And you talk about saying no mm. and um, how important that actually is. So it's all about your own boundaries then and not being a people pleaser. So what were your main points? You say, learn to say no, ask for help and say thank you. Yes. The saying thank you is being very much inspired by my own experience, but also by the, the wonderful John, James Timpson, who, who writes at least three, uh, how many? I think it's 13 uh, thank you letters a week. Wow. And he's known for retaining his staff and having good relations with their suppliers, etc. And it comes from that approach. Um, I once wrote a thank you letter to a care home where my mother was staying. And it trickled upwards in the NHS. And eventually, um, this uh, the same care home was awarded a very big prize within the whole of the UK, one little letter. So you really... Sorry. Yeah, pe people, one, they don't expect to receive a letter. No. And two, we're not saying thank you enough, are we? We're not appreciating one another. It's all complaint and 
you're not doing this right or you're not doing that right or you're not meeting my expectation. Whereas a thank you is is actually the opposite of all of that. It's non-transactional as a as a as a as a move, if you like. Uh, it costs nothing, and it make ultimately it makes two people happy: the writer and the receiver. Yeah, and ask for help. That also makes people happy, doesn't it? It does. I mean, to have the humility to ask for help. Um, the humility to admit that um, you're not quite fully equipped with all the to necessary tools for this task. And why suffer in silence when you can, I mean, I joined satellite television. I didn't, and it was a new industry. I didn't know what a transponder was. I had no idea what these things were. Uh, I'd seen the odd satellite dish and that was it. Um, but uh, fortunately, I had some very nice people around me who talked me through the process, which enabled me to understand it in my lay terms, I emphasize. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, there's so many nuggets in this book. It's amazing. But one of the things I do enjoy is um, a piece on networking, because networking is very dear to my heart. As you know, I've written my own book on networking. So what is it about networking that lights you up? Well, I've always been a good networker. I didn't know that. Uh, but I think I'm, I've come to it quite naturally, and that's fine. Um, but what I see is, uh, and it, it tires me, uh, is, you know, people going around a room and giving out, dishing out their business cards, and they think they've networked. They come mm -hmm. back, they've got an equal number of business cards, and they have no idea who these people were and why they were talking to them and why they want their cards. No, networking is really about connecting. It's about making that connection with the other person. And it's not about taking either on the first go. It's much more about giving, which I've, I've just finished writing a little article about how introverts are, in fact, much better networkers than extroverts. They are, and that's quite why I like the online side of things, because actually the introverts get the plain, uh, uh, equal plain playing field mm. um, online, the, and the extroverts generally don't like it because they can't hog the, the they, they just can't take over. No, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Um, and humour. I, I was quite surprised about this chapter in your book that you actually feel that humour is hugely important. It's a massive tool. I don't think it's been addressed enough as a form of control. Uh, you have a very tense situation around a boardroom table. If somebody cracks a joke or in some way steps aside from the issue at hand, everything can change. The dynamics in that room can change very quickly. And people's perception of you can change very quickly as well, as seeing as being a person who's much more um, amenable, shall we say. It's something that Prince Philip always used, um, and which a lot of, um, uh, how do I say, uh, eminent uh, people do to break the ice. Mm -hmm. And so how do you help people 
in your chapter about the humour. Um, what are your tips? My tips is really to stand back a second and um, not let emotion take you over and to, to look at things maybe a bit differently and whenever possible to see the funny side of, of the situation and what could they say to break that tension in the room. So is your book primarily for those in business? Well, that's what I thought. <laughs> I, I wrote it with the executive in mind, ma male and female. But now I've got some people coming towards me saying, look, um, we'd like you to think about doing something with us, addressing, say, women and their relationships, say, with, uh, with a difficult husband, um, how they can deal with difficult situations in their personal lives. So we'll see. We'll see. Okay. And then you give your top tips to purse to happiness. Yes. It's quite interesting because I can remember talking to someone who said, well, everyone thinks we should be happy, but it's not necessarily a given. You need to find joy in things, but happiness is quite an interesting concept. So you give 12 tips. So just are they in order of priority? No, they're not. No, they're not. No. Okay. So can you choose three of your tips just, just to give within this podcast, please? You would have to remind me. I know a lot has got revolves around control. Um, um, is you important. cannot control your environment. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you can't. Um, the only thing you can control is your reaction to that environment, how you... Um, interact with that environment and make the best of it. Okay. And then I like free yourself from other people's opinion. Oh, yes. That's the one I read. In fact, if there's going to be a second book, it's going to be about something like that. Um, it's the difference between self-worth and self-esteem. Self-esteem is very much dependent on how you view me. Okay. Well, self-worth is how I view myself and recognize myself for my warts and all. <laughs> That's right. And realize we are human and we can make mistakes. Yes. Um, uh, and when I make a mistake on the podcast, I have a little bloom, bloomer um, kind of reel, which will be shown at some point. So that's quite good. And I'm just choosing another one from the 12. And I'm just thinking, let go of the past. Mm. Look forward to the future, but do not hold on to your mistakes. Learn yes. from them. Yes. So, so I, I think you've explained that beautifully already. Um, <laughs> it's really about, it's learning from your mistakes and going forward. Looking backwards is not going to help you in any any shape or form. No, it isn't. Oh, I'm going to slip, slip this one in. Avoid procrastination. Ah, yes. Is there a um, reason why we procrastinate in the first place? I think there's a, very often it's linked to fear, uh, the fear of doing something, and it's much easier to put off than to face it. Um, but 
it's such a negative um, action, if we can call procrastination, the fact of not doing anything, if we can call that an action, I don't know. But, it, you know, it's such a, um, a negative form of behavior, not one to hold on to if you're seeking happiness. Mm. It's quite interesting because it can be even procrastination against success. Mm. So I work with many authors and some of them don't finish their book because they are fearful that if it's out there and it's successful, it's going to change their lives, which, of course, books do that. Um, so that, that's another form of procrastination where they go back to research or it has to be word perfect. And Absolutely. Absolutely. books can't be like that. No. I haven't found the typo in yours, but I'm convinced that um, every book has at least one. So. Well, I've, it's been pointed out to me in that it is the name of a person which I've misspelt. All right. And it's a foreign name, so um, I think I can be forgiven. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter how many eyes go on these books, it happens. I think sometimes with names, you try so hard to get the name right, and yes. then before you know it, that's the one thing that trips you up <laughs> right so I'm just going to finish with your favorite quote um so would you like to tell me what it is tell my listeners. favorite quote comes back from my days at school at school I studied ancient Greek and I also had the possibility uh to study um to read the philosophers in the original language and the one I think I like the most is from Plato, which is, I know I don't know. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I know, I don't know. I think that goes along with the more I, the older I get, the, the less I know too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. In a, in a strange way. <laughs> yeah. So is there anything that you need to know that you don't know? Oh, lots of things. And that's why I, you know, I'm still learning every day. I learn something new every day. And thank God for that. It's keeping me young. Uh, it's keeping me engaged with life. I'm at an age when people retire. Am I retiring? No. I've just written a book, and now, as I've just revealed, I'm thinking of writing a second one. So, <laughs> no, I'm not giving up. No. Fabulous. Well, thank you very much. And um, if people want to step into the shoes of Dr. Catherine Bordino, this is the book for them. But it's it's learning from other people, which I just find the, just an amazing part of which you bring in this book. So thank you so much for that. Thank you, lady. Thank you so much. Hi, thank you for listening to the Lady AD Show podcast. Come back, subscribe, and we'll do this all over again. Bye-bye. Hey, hey, hey.